This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Richard Schnitzel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Now, we are only on an audio podcast, but one thing about you is you have a certain wardrobe you like to wear. So why don't you paint that picture for the audience? Yeah, so the key part of all of this, you know, I'm in jeans and a button down, but I am wearing on top of that a bow tie. And I'm in a bow tie every day when I come into the office. So what color is your bow tie today? Uh, today it is yellow with blue stripes coming through it. Uh, nice, nice. Now he painted the picture for you, ladies and gentlemen. And, uh, you know, I don't know too many people and I know one person with a bow tie. He's a weatherman here in Houston. And every time he's on the news or doing the weather, he's always worn a bow tie. And I said, that's very interesting because I don't see bow ties very often these days. Yeah, it's definitely one of those unique things. You know, I love wearing them. I love the history around them. And it, I started wearing them. And, you know, it's just this memorable thing that's now become part of my brand. So it, it's stuck. Excellent. I love it. Well, before we get started, who in the world are you and what do you do for a living? My name's Richard Schnitzel, and I work with six-figure entrepreneurs to build automation in their business so that they can scale to seven figures. And we I... do that through a combination of working with them to help them understand what automation is as a tool. And once they can understand it, my team and I will implement on that vision that I've helped them create. You know, as a productivity guy, I love automation. Uh, we live in 2021. And if you're doing things, folks, that can be automated, you're making a foolish uh, mistake, I shall say. I won't say you're a fool, uh, but there's so much that you can automate. And when you automate things, it frees you up to do things that you need to do yourself. So let's talk about automation because I could talk about this for literally hours on end. Let's do it. So what are your thoughts when someone says to you, uh, especially people who are older, 50s or 60s. Now I'm 55, but I love automation, but they've always done it manually. What do you say to someone when they come to you and they go, well, uh, you know, I hear what you're saying about automation, Richard, but you know, I don't know. What if it doesn't work? What if I don't understand it? What if I mess it up? You know, they make all these excuses. What do you say to someone like that? Well, I, I start by understanding that that complaint has nothing to do with the solution because what they're really telling to me is there are so many opportunities out there for automation. When I try to do it, I get confused. I get frustrated. So I stop. So what I tell people when they come to me about that is I say, you know, I know there's a lot going on and I know there's a lot of possibilities, but the beauty of automation is you can start with something really simple and just get the ball moving forward and then layer on more and more complex things into your automated workflow as you start to build that understanding and go, okay, I, I just had a form get submitted from my website and now it's showing up in a Google sheet. So I can just look at the Google sheet and see all my responses. Okay, cool. That's great. Now let's add on another step of, I want it to then go to my CRM. And then I, then I want it to go to my email marketing software so I can send them a, Hey, welcome to the group email. So you, you don't have to build the whole flow all at once. You can start with something really simple and concrete and get your understanding and layer on top of that after the fact. Two of my favorite automation tools, and I've got plenty of them, but two of my favorite ones is Calendly. So when 
you wanted to be on my show, I sent you a link and you scheduled yourself. So we didn't go back and forth saying how this date and this date and this date. So that eliminates that. The other tool I love to use is Kajabi. I have my whole entire website on Kajabi, my blog, my membership site, my courses, uh, my email marketing, and I have my funnels. Of course, they call them pipelines. And what's interesting is someone could become a Mark Struchowski insider today. And when you go to my website and you sign up to be an insider, and name an email address, then automatically you are sent a welcome email and you're uh, you're also given the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs and it's automated, you know, and because can you imagine if someone, every time someone signed up for our email list, we had to go on the computer, copy their email address and then send them all these emails. It would be crazy, especially if you get in the 2000, 20,000, 200,000 email list, you, you cannot do that without automation. Yeah, absolutely. The important thing that I pick up on what you said is you're automating something, but you're automating something that if it broke, you could still make it happen. But automation is improving the efficacy of what's going on. Like People who are joining your program are getting a better user experience because you have automated something. And I'm always looking for that in what I'm building. If it's not going to make it better, then there's no point in building it. So you need that, you need that dual aspect of making it quicker, but making the outcome better because automation is a piece of the puzzle and and a tool that you're using. Yeah. And you know, I just recently, a couple of days ago, I happened to watch the new um, developer Facebook live for Kajabi. There are new features that are coming out. And one of the things that they are working on is improving email deliverability. Now, obviously, they want to give us a better experience as users, so then our users get a better experience. So they're doing all these things behind the scenes that ensure that when we send an email out, it gets delivered. It's fully automated, but you couldn't do that without automation because the rules are constantly changing, if not every week, probably every day, if never every hour, because you know there's spam is a big deal, and they've got to figure out a way to make sure they're in compliant with not only America but also Europe and Canada and the rest of the world, and and so they can do this through automation. We have automation with algorithms on social media, and I, I just want to tell people, look, don't. If you don't understand it, there is plenty of information. There's resources like you uh, that can help people. So if you're not used to automating, uh, there are resources. But let me tell you this, uh, dear listener, I love you so much. But let me tell you this. You are, I guarantee you, you're using automation right now and you don't even realize it. Okay. For example, do you have a dishwasher? It's automated, right? You start it, it does take, it washes and dries and does everything, right? How about your washing machine? I mean, you're not going out to a rock, right? I mean, you put it in your washing machine and automatically washes your clothes. So if you stop and think about what are you automating? I, I think Richard, people will be amazed at how much they're really automating, even if they think they're not. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, to your point about you don't need to understand everything, you know, we all understand that if you drop something, it falls to the earth. But you don't need to understand how to calculate what the gravitational force <laughs> is to know that, okay, when I drop my cup, it's going to fall to the floor and it might break. That same analogy works perfectly with automation. You don't need to know all of the little intricacies of what's going on behind the scenes. To your point, the algorithms and you know, everything that's happening with machine learning and all this really cool stuff. You don't need to understand that. You just need to know that, okay, there's this thing going on that's going to help me reach my people better. And then that's it. That You have enough understanding to utilize it correctly. 
One of my favorite tools that I, I will confess on my own show, I have not spent enough time understanding, so I'm not using this tool, but I love the tool Zapier because Zapier, they have done such a great job. You go there and you say, okay, I have app A and I have app B and I want this to happen. And, and so you don't really have to understand what's happening with your zaps. You just have to say, I want this to happen when, when this happens, I want this to happen over here and it walks you through it. And I think they're one of the most, uh, ingenious companies they are probably not the only ones out there, but are you a fan of Zapier? I am. I'm actually a Zapier expert. It's one of the tools that we use a lot in helping our clients build what we can build because as you said, it's, they have this great base that you can leverage. You know, it's, it's almost like what WordPress is for websites now, where it's a lot of click and drag and point. Zapier is the same thing for automating the information flow between different programs. It, just, it makes it very simple from a, a user interface perspective to make these connections where you don't need the deep level of understanding. You don't need to know how to you know, code HTML to build a website anymore. You have WordPress. You don't need to know JavaScript and what an API is and how all those rules work to make a connection between your varying programs. You can log on to something like Zapier and they'll help you get to there so much easier. And what's amazing is a lot, It's if you're a developer, it's really time consuming and uh, costs a lot of money to integrate with every app out there. And that's where Zapier comes in. This is not a commercial or sponsored by Zapier. I'm just saying I, I know I love what they're doing because, for example, my webinar platform does not integrate with Kajabi. Okay. But I have a Zap set up. So if I do a webinar and you sign up for the webinar, you automatically send into my Kajabi. So integration costs money and time, but Zapier, Zaps are so much less expensive. So if you don't, if you've never seen Zapier, ladies and gentlemen, all you do is go to zapier.com and just look at all the options. They integrate with Google Drive, Google Sheets, Google Docs, Gmail, Google Calendar, um, you know, Dropbox, I mean, you name it. I, I don't, I, I think the list of what they can't do is much smaller than what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. And they allow you to, you know, if you're working with an expert, we can build anything on their platform. They have over 3000 programs that they work with natively. And then they give us the tools to expand upon that even more. If you have a, a deeper level of understanding, like, so it, it's one of those situations where you can, you know, be in the shallow end and play and have a lot of fun. But if you want to go de- venture into the deep end of the pool, they'll let you go there. Hey there, it's Mark, and I want to invite you to become a Mark Struchowski Insider and get the top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs absolutely free. It all happens over at MrProductivity.com. I love that because everything they have to offer is overwhelming. And fortunately, my wife is a former IT professional and she loves getting her hands dirty. She loves going in there and doing all stuff. I'm like, God bless you, because I... I'm a content creator. I create podcasts and courses and membership sites. I don't want to know how Zapier works. And the good thing is I don't have to because my wife loves that. And listen, if you don't like doing this stuff, you probably have someone on your team or someone you know who would love, or maybe Richard, who would love to set it up for you. So don't let the fact that Zapier like, oh, A to B and take a breath. Go reach out to someone who loves this stuff and don't cause yourself overwhelmed because look, you can't be good at everything. 
but Zapier and a lot of other automation tools will save you so much time. And everybody has an hourly rate. And this is one thing I want to point out here. Um, you need to figure out how much you're worth per hour because that helps you make a lot of decisions. Now, I don't want one of your thoughts on this as well. So let's say you say, okay, I, I think I'm worth 50 bucks an hour. All right. Well, I'm going to go cut my lawn. Okay. Um, you're going to cut your lawn. How much does it cost to cut your lawn? Oh, I pay the guy 20 bucks. So you're going to spend $50 of your own money, your own salary, when you could pay someone 20 bucks and go do something that's worth 50 bucks an hour. So I think that even if you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a student, if you work at McDonald's, I don't care where you are, you need to determine how much you're worth per hour, and that'll help you in decision-making. Do you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. And when I do those mental calculations, I, I think that you not only need to do the math of like, okay, I I would pay myself $50 an hour. I'm now paying my somebody else 20. So I've, you know, my net is 30, but then also start adding on all the things that you can do because you have that hour back. Yes. Maybe you can go generate a thousand dollars with that hour. So your net really is a $1,030, right? Then you can start adding on, okay, well now I don't have this, this distraction that I have to figure out in the middle of the, my day. So I'm not only saving that hour, I'm saving another hour and a half because you know, I have to stop. I have to go get my tools. I have to put everything down. I have to mow my lawn. Then when I'm done, it takes me 15, 20 minutes to get back in the flow of what I was doing. So I, I think the the straight math calculation is the first step, but you also need to start considering all those other things that you can make happen because you've gotten that hour back in your life. Yeah, I it's one thing my my wife and I have discussions on. She she likes to go to different stores because they have different prices. I'm like, okay, so you go to store A and the product you want costs four dollars. Store B has a product for three dollars. It's not a dollar to your point. You have to like leave that first store, get in your car, turn the car on, drive to store B, park the car, walk in the parking lot. Are you worth a dollar? I said, buy it at the first store. I mean, it's there, buy it there because you got to factor in what you said, your time and your energy and the, the wear and tear in your car and the gas and the oil, you, it's all microscopic. It's microscopic, but you start adding up and like, it's only a dollar savings. Are you really going to drive cross town to save a buck? Cause you're not really saving a buck when you add in all those other uh, things we talked about. Yeah. I, I have a similar conversation with my wife all the time about going to different gas stations for the gas price. <laughs> I don't care. I go to the first one that I see. I don't care if it's 10 cents cheaper or 10 cents more expensive. It's the closest one of the house. That's where I'm getting my fuel. And she will drive, you know, five miles out of the way because she wants to get the cheaper gas, you know, I, <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, when we're talking about how much you're, you're worth an hour, if you're an hourly worker and you make 13 bucks an hour, that's not what we're talking about. How much would you pay yourself if you did your job? Not what your company's paying you. And so I want to make sure that people understand there's a distinctive difference of what you're actually being paid and what you're worth. And when you need to figure that, everybody who's listening to this conversation needs to figure that number out. And guess what? It should go up every year, if not every month. And then that's going to help you make better decisions. Like I love cutting my lawn. My wife's going, okay, well, you say your rate is this. The lawn guy is far cheaper than this because he only comes twice a month and he takes an hour. So he spends two hours. But if I'm going out there and doing it every week, you know, it's and so even I have to practice myself, but I sometimes like to cut my lawn. It's kind of therapeutic. I don't like the raking. So if I got a rake, I get really miserable, but I like going out there, put my AirPods on and just going and cutting the lawn. So to me, if you're doing it for therapeutic reasons, that's okay. But if you're doing it to save money, that's a totally different story. Yeah, I would agree. I think it brings up an interesting point about 
you know, how I look at automation and I think that everybody should look at automation is that just because something is possible doesn't mean that you should be doing it. It's not the full scope of the conversation. Yes, it should be part of that. But you also need to be thinking about, you know, to the point of maybe it's therapeutic. Maybe maybe there's some other aspect of doing this thing manually that has ulterior motives and ulterior benefits. And that should be part of your decision process when you're starting to have this conversation and starting to think about you know, what can I automate in my business? It can't be in this vacuum of black and white. You know, can this be done? Is it going to be faster? Yes. Okay, let's do it. We have to do it because those th- two things are true. You have to broaden the scope of how you, you think about this. And I have a challenge for the listener. What I want the listener to do is I want you to gift yourself 30 minutes, maybe an hour. I want you to get a notebook and a pen, and I want you to think about, A, how many things are already automated in your life? You're going to be astounded. If you do this exercise, you're, especially if you're afraid of automation, you're going to find out so much of what you're doing is automated already. And then the second thing I want you to do, letter B, is I want you to go, okay, what in my life can I automate? Now, there's this great uh, website called google.com. You can type in, how do I automate X? I guarantee you'll get like a bazillion hits. And start slowly to say, oh, I can automate this. Let me learn how to automate this and just do one thing at a time. What do you think about that exercise? Yeah, I love that. I think that the the biggest challenge when you start down this path is getting the light bulb to go off and making the connections of, oh, okay, that's possible. Oh, okay, that's possible. And that idea of sitting down and you know, put your phone away, don't have distractions and just spend a moment and start to think about this you're going to realize to your point that there are so many possibilities out there in the world to automate things. It just takes a little bit of conscious effort to be like, okay, this is something that I'm going to think about. It's kind of like a muscle. Yeah. As you start to think about it, as you start to recognize all of the automations that we already have in our day-to-day lives, you'll start to notice more because that muscle is going to get stronger. Okay, I wanna I wanna really test your memory here, uh, Richard. Okay, this is really gonna. I, I apologize in advance for making you think so hard. Maybe this won't be a tough question. Maybe I'm just setting the 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 bar too high. What is something that you wish you could automate, but right now, on March thirteenth, twenty twenty one, it's not possible to automate. So I want you to think about something you could automate if you could, but it's not possible right now. Anything come to mind? I think that there is a lot that you can do with machine learning and AI that is so close to automation that we can't do. So to me, I'm a mechanical engineer and I love working on my vehicles. And the idea of fully autonomous cars is amazing to me, but it's not there yet. Like we are so close. We are knocking on that door of being able to fully automate our commute and then the different levels of possibilities that that opens up. Uh, When that happens, I think that will be amazing. And I think that technology is going to bleed into so many other aspects of our life because it's all about recognition of the physical world and then making decisions through automation on what to do with it. I think you figure out automated cars, you then get even more autonomous robots. You get delivery services where the car shows up and then something comes out and it delivers you right to your door. I I think that the expansion of what could be possible with that would be really cool. And we can't quite do that yet, but when that happens, 
the tech geek in me is going to be really, really excited. Hey, I now have an affiliate program where you can earn up to 30% commission just for referring people to my paid program. To find out more, go to MrProductivity.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click the link. Oh, I agree with you. Uh, I told my wife our next car is going to be a Tesla. Um, The fully autonomous cars are not here. But a lot of people go, well, you know, machine language, I can't do this. I said, look, think about it. Uh, You can set up an autonomous car, can't go through red lights. You can make it slow down at at, at yellow lights, not to run stop signs, uh, no drunk driving, no road rage. I mean, I could, we could list so many advantages, Uh, you know, fuel, you know, the fuel or or charge, you know, for the, um, the battery. There's so many advantages. I really hope in my lifetime, and I think I'm only 55 years young. I really think I'll see this, that we can get in our car. Now, I don't think we should be. I don't think I'll ever see a point where I could be laying down in the back seat taking a nap while my car drives to Florida. Okay. I, 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 I want someone in the passenger seat. I want a human being in the passenger seat, uh, preferably not on an iPad watching a movie or something like that. But the car driving, I think we're going to get there really soon, Richard. I agree with you because think of all the people who are killed every day, every month, every year on our roads worldwide because someone's too tired. They worked a double shift at work or they had too much to drink or they're under, under influence of drugs or they just had a fight with their spouse or their kid. Think about because the car is not going to react to emotions like that. And I think the fact that it could save millions of lives over a period of years, I think that's something we should be very excited about and not be afraid of. Yeah, the the statistics on you know, motor vehicle accidents and fatal motor vehicle accidents heavily weight towards vehicle on vehicle accidents. The the likelihood that you will be driving in your vehicle and get into an accident with nothing but, you know, the world around you with no other vehicle involved and that will be fatal or cause serious injury is really, really slim. It is way more likely that either you will hit somebody else or somebody else will hit you and that will be the cause of the serious car accident. So if you can start to solve that problem with automated driving and vehicles, it's a huge win for everybody. And a lot of people know I'm a fan of Tesla and they're like, well, I heard about this car where it was on automatic and the guy hit a tractor trailer. Yeah, the guy was reading something or watching a movie on an iPad. Okay, he should have been paying attention because even Tesla officially says you're supposed to be in the driver's seat and you're supposed to be looking out the window. You're not supposed to be like sleeping or doing something else. And so right away, people go toward the technology, which really irritates me. They go right toward the technology and like, okay, well, the the human being in the car was a moron that, you know, Tesla never said you could take a nap and drive to LA. Okay. Never said that. Um, even when we have fully autonomous cars, you have to have someone paying attention just on the off chance that something happened. You want a fail safe there. Uh, so what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I think that uh, when we hear automation, we have this assumption that everything is taken care of and it's a hundred percent like, okay, I can completely ignore that. And I think that you know, for me, that's part of my responsibility as somebody in this space where I need to be really careful and conscious about how I communicate what's possible so that the expectations of what's going on is realistic. I, you know, if I'm going to nitpick, one of the worst things that Tesla has done is call it you know, uh, automated driving. Like they, they call it, they use words that make people think that this is a fully autonomous 
self-driving car when it's not. And I think we need to be really careful about when we use words like that, that make people think, oh, okay, self-driving car. Cool. I don't have to do anything when really (laughs) it's not really a self-driving car. It's a partially driving car, right? It's keeping you in the lane. It's making sure that if somebody breaks in front of you, it'll stop it can start to make lane changes in certain scenarios, right? We're, we're increasing the envelope of what it can do, but it's not a level five self-driving car, which is a car with no steering wheel and no opportunity for a human to interact with it. We're at level two, level three at best. I, I agree with you there. And what people don't understand about these self-driving cars is binary. So where our eye sees a kid way down the road, we assume, oh yeah, we see the kid on his bicycle at the, at the corner, but the car sees ones and zeros and it's trying to rapidly detect. That's why Elon Musk has done such a good job with his programmer because we look, oh, it's a squirrel. Well, you have to tell the computer it's a squirrel. You have to tell a kid or the computer it's a baby carrot or it's a kid in a bike. We take it for granted because of our brains. We know it's a kid in the bike. Or we can't, we know it's a, a, a baby in a baby carriage or whatever the case may be. But you, you think about it. You see a red light, you stop. Hopefully you stop, but you have to tell the car red means stop. And we, we don't, because we grew up with our brains that tell us this when we were training our kids, we understand that. But you have to understand with a car or any computer or any form of automation, you have to explain all the ones and zeros what what exactly means. And it's a I, my head goes off the people who have figured this automation out because I am so blown away and so impressed by what they can do. Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that I've always loved about that is you know all the Teslas talk to each other, right? So if one if one car sees something and learns something new about the physical world and how to react to it, it tells every all the other Teslas out there, hey, this oh, is wow. a new piece of information. So yeah, think about the fact that if when you start driving as a 16-year-old, you could have all of the knowledge of everybody who started driving before you for the past you know couple hundred years that cars have been in existence. And all of a sudden, you know, oh, when there's a, a woman in the crosswalk and she starts to you know, move, she's probably going to start going in. If I see a bouncing ball, there's probably a kid coming after that. Maybe I should pay attention. There's a uh, squirrel in the road. They like to run out and then run back the other direction. So maybe I should swerve this way. You can start you know, building the catalog of data that you can make decisions off so much bigger because Automation allows you to share information across such a large scope and space that we don't have the ability to do as humans because you got to talk to somebody and then you have to remember it. Like we have a lot more inputs that are required for us to remember that bouncing ball might mean kid chasing it, where automation just allows that to happen. Boom across everybody that should know that. Wow. This has been an incredible fascination, uh, fascinating conversation with you, uh, Richard, because I love talking about technology and automation, and I know my listeners got a lot of it as well. But I want to switch over to something I call Mic Swap now, and you said you're a game for this, which is, uh, listener, if you've never listened to the show before, thank you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Mic Swap is the opportunity where I allow my guests to be the temporary host of the show. Uh, Richard can ask me one to two questions. It could be anything except for my social security number or credit card information. Uh, doesn't matter. Sports, color, productivity, automation, doesn't matter. Uh, it just keeps me sharp, as Stephen Covey says, sharpening this all. So, Richard, one to two questions. You're in charge. Go ahead. All right. So my question is, 
around the idea that COVID has forced us to make a lot of changes in our business to continue to operate as entrepreneurs and businesses. What's something that you've had to do because of the circumstances of the past year that you are going to keep around in your business? Because now that you're doing it, you've recognized a really positive effect on the way that you're working in and on your business. Excellent question. And I can tell you, it took me so long to get to this point that I'm happy I finally reached it. So my wife was in the travel industry, which obviously got blown up during COVID. And so she was furloughed for many, many months. And, you know, I live in Houston and it's really difficult to get a job other than, you know, department or, you know, stores and restaurants. And so we decided, or actually I decided, Hey, why don't you start helping me doing the things I'm not good at? Like behind the scenes stuff. I want to be a content creator. I want to create podcasts, create membership sites, create, you know, email newsletters, courses, whatever the case may be. And she does like the podcast processing. She'll upload the videos to Kajabi and all this other stuff. And I can tell you when I finally learned to let go, this was not an issue she had to deal with. This is something I had to deal with. Once I learned to let go and focus on what I was really good at and what I love doing. And then she got to do what she loves to do is a match made in heaven. And there's only two people that really care about our business. That's my wife and I, uh, I could hire VAs and employees. No one's going to care as much as we do because it's our baby. And so I'm, uh, we are trying desperately to set us up. So when the world returns to some sense of normalcy, whatever that looks like, um, that she would have to go back and get a job in corporate America because our business will be at a point where she can stay doing her job because she likes doing it. And quite frankly, she does it better than I do. I love that. Love that. Uh, yeah. That idea of letting go of your business and allowing you know, something else or someone else to you know, do the things that you hate to do is uh, something that I work on in my business every day as well. And it's <laughs> definitely a struggle. It is easy to say and very hard to do. Absolutely. So my my follow-up question to all that is, you know, you mentioned that she may not have to go back to work when the world comes back to normalcy, which what it does is going to create the next opportunity of change in the world and ways that we can change our business and adjust to what's going on to improve it. If you pulled out your crystal ball, what is something that you think will happen in the next year as a major shift of vaccines coming out and the world changing again, hopefully for the better, that you're looking and planning for so that you can take take that opportunity and make a positive out of it? Well, we talked a lot about automation on the show today. And what I'm doing is setting up my business to be virtually 100% automated. So I have this program called the Digital Productivity Coaching Program, which means you get daily accountability prompts, which are automated. I do a live group coaching call, which is not automated. But then I just recently created a, a membership site. And so what I do is I release two pieces, at least two pieces of content every month. And again, it goes back to what I said, content creation. I create them, I put them up on the site and I release them on a certain day. So this means if I want to go visit my parents in Florida for a week, the, the people can come in the DPC, they can get everything, they can, you know, they can participate and do all that good stuff. 
And I don't have to have my hands in it. I can focus on creating stuff that's really going to help them. What I was doing before is I was trying to handhold every single client. Now, I still do that. If you come on me, come on board as a one-on-one client, obviously, you get one-on-one time with me. But my DPC clients don't. They know that. There's no one-on-one time with me. That's the price point. It's a little lower. So I think we're going to see more of that in the future. We're going to see more people saying, okay, I, you know, I'll do a live maybe once a month, but most of my stuff is going to be dedicated to creating super awesome, helpful, great content, but it's going to be automatically rolled out. So I'm going to create it. I'm going to put it in the membership site. I'm going to tell it when it can release. And that way I can sit back and create more content for down the, down the road. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love it. All right. Well, thank you for those two awesome questions. The final question I have for you is where can we go find them about what you're doing in the world and how we can get in touch with you? Yeah. So if anything we've talked about today is resonating with you and you want to continue that conversation one-on-one with me, you can go to bowtiebots.com slash consult, and that'll bring you to where you can book a 20-minute call with me to talk about what's going on in your business and do a whiteboarding session with me of trying to figure out and starting to plan a path of how you can use the tool that is automation to have a positive effect in the way that you're interacting with your business. Bowtie Bots. I love that name. That is awesome. Good for you. Well, Richard, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been an honor having you here. Thank you very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.